1: After seeing God's move in so many ways, he has to make a decision. His heart could have been in a position of being actually turned to the truth of the gospel. Even as Peter had already had opportunity on at least two occasions to share the truth of the gospel to the council and Gamaliel would have been part, he would have been there with it. Or perhaps, perhaps the fear of losing his prestige of losing his power, it'll keep him from acknowledging the facts that were so evident before him. I feel that what we see here is, is a man that's torn.
0: You may consider yourself a religious person knowing about the things in the Bible. You've read of the miracles that Jesus performed, the lessons he taught, and the faith of his beloved in the Bible. But as Pastor David will explain today, knowing this will never save you. You must be willing to let go of the things of this world like prestige, position, or financial comforts to grow in relationship with God. You have a decision to make whether you'll surrender your daily life to Jesus and live the abundant life he's called you to. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 5 as he begins his message, No Middle Ground.
1: are in Acts chapter 5 and if you're familiar with uh, the book of Acts, there's a lot of things that are going on in chapter 5. We see the situation of Ananias and Sapphira who had lied to the Holy Spirit, and God struck them dead right in front of the whole church. So again, if you want a New Testament church, amen, uh, You know, we we got to be careful of that. But we do see the power of the Spirit working in and through the church, and as the apostles continued to proclaim the gospel, the push against the gospel, the persecution started to arise, particularly among the, the Jewish leadership. Let me back up a little bit and touch a few things just to bring everything into the context of what we're looking at this morning. If you have your Bibles, you're in Acts chapter 5. Look down in verse 12. It says that through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, Solomon's porch, that's on the temple compound area. You've got the the temple proper itself at one end, and on the far end, you have what's called Solomon's porch. It's just a big covered area, and that seemed to be where the Christians were meeting at that particular time. Again, brand new. They're just a sect of Judaism, in essence, at that point. So they're still meeting up on the temple compound, and they're over on the far side, there in the area known as Solomon's Porch. Verse 13 says, Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Now let's stop right there, let's understand, that is peculiar, okay? That is is totally crazy wild. We don't see this as a regular continual event. This is something that the Holy Spirit was doing right then, right now, at that time, through, again, just just the work of His Spirit. People were believing that God was doing a mighty, powerful work, and even as the shadow of Peter came by, he didn't lay hands on them, he didn't anoint them, doesn't even say that he really prayed for them. Just as he walked along and as his shadow came, the Lord brought healing, and what a powerful thing that was that was going on during that time. So much so, in verse 16, it says, also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. And they were bringing their sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. What a powerful time of the spirit of God that was happening at that point in time. And literally, multitudes were joining the church. Multitudes were coming to faith in Christ. And then we see now the pushback starting. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. Now, again, you need to see the whole picture of things. Here's the temple at one end of the compound. Over here, you have the high priest, all the Jewish leadership and everything, and they're watching what's going on at the other end of the compound over here at Solomon's porch. Literally hundreds, if not thousands of people were gathered there as the apostles were teaching and as healing and deliverance was taking place among the multitudes. And so a great jealousy developed. As the high priest rose up, they were all filled with indignation, and so they came, they took the apostles by force. Now it's not just Peter and John, but they've taken all the apostles, and they put them in what is called the common prison. But catch this, in verse 19, but at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and run away from here as fast as you can. <laughs> No, that's not what it says, is it? That's why you got to bring your Bible. you got to bring your Bible. These guys are in prison for preaching and teaching salvation through Jesus Christ. And an angel comes, he opens the prison doors, and he says, okay, what I want you to do is go back and continue doing the same thing. Go to and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. What a powerful direction, that is, and directive for these men. They had been persecuted, they had been arrested, placed in prison, and now God comes, frees them from the prison, but says, I want you to go back and keep doing what you've been doing, because you're doing it for my glory. Verse 21 says, when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning, and guess what, guys, they continued teaching the word of God. But then, now, the high priest, And those with him came, and they called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel, and they didn't know what was going on. These guys were in prison as far as they understood, and so they sent to the prison to get them and to have them brought out. Verse 22, but when the officers came and didn't find them in the prison, they returned and they reported saying, indeed, we found the prison. It was shut securely. The guards were standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, you've got to understand for these guys, their brain is going 100 miles an hour at this point in time. They're thinking, what in the world happened? If everything was locked up, the guards were there. How did these guys get out? What happened to the ones that we put in prison? Verse 24, now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be, would be not what the outcome is or has been, but they're wondering what's gonna happen from here. They know that something powerful is going on, but they can't get a handle on it. They cannot grasp what is going on because they haven't seen the power of God moving and working in the lives of the Jewish leadership literally for generations and generations. Now this new thing comes, and by the power of God, by the work of this angel, these men are released from prison without the guards even knowing it. They don't know what's going to happen from here. So verse 25, so one came and told them, saying, look, the men who you put in prison, they're standing in the temple, and they're teaching the people. Verse 26, then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, For they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. They're standing in the temple teaching and preaching Christ. And so now the captain of the guard and the temple guard go up, and in essence, I guess they just kind of come to the guy and say, hey, would you guys mind <laughs> uh, coming with us for a little bit? Uh, you know, we don't want to stir up anything. Because they knew that the heart of the people was now moving toward these apostles and the message of the apostles. So they, they feared that they would be stoned, and so they, they brought them, verse 27, they brought them, and they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Wouldn't that be great if the claim came against Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande that you have filled all of Casa Grande with your doctrine? Beloved, I think that's the call that's on our lives that we share the reality and the truth of Jesus Christ anywhere and wherever we go, whether that be in our family, at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, at the restaurants, at our schools, wherever we go, that the message of Christ is what we bring and that, again, this community gets filled with the doctrine of Christ. And he says, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Well, they already know that man's blood was on them. They were the ones that said, crucify him, and to give us Barabbas. But let's follow on. Look as Peter stands, and again, Peter is emboldened by the Holy Spirit. We know that. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Can I say amen to that? Yeah, you that know, in every aspect of the way. We are in, under such great freedoms right now, and yes, we hear in the news of freedoms being cut here and freedoms being cut there, but the fact is, is you and I can go and stand on any street corner in this city and speak of Christ. We can stop people on the streets and say, has anyone ever shared with you how much God loves you? He loves you so much, he sent Christ to pay for your sin. We have that freedom here in this country today. Beloved, there may come a time, should the Lord tarry, that we won't have that freedom. But are you, are you personally willing to obey God rather than men, even to the point that, yes, it may cost your freedom or even your life? Peter says, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God has exalted to the right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. So once again, Peter lays out the reality and the truth that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ, who is the Prince and the Savior, He is the Messiah of Israel. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't pull his punches. You were the ones that hung him on the tree. But beloved, he says that it's only through him that again, repentance can be found for Israel and the forgiveness of sins. But as these Jewish leaders are listening to this, their hearts aren't broken. Their hearts are hardened. Look what it says in verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and they plotted Kill them. Well, they knew that they couldn't just go right now and stone them because, again, the people would have risen up in a great rebellion. So they began to plot how they might kill them. And then, verse 34 Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people. A Pharisee named Gamaliel. Now, here's where we're going to park for a little bit because Gamaliel actually is a very interesting character. And, and what he's about to say and what he's about to do has brought about a, a, a lot of conjecture through the years. And even in the middle of our study here in, in Acts chapter five, I wanna offer you a bit of my own conjecture, my own reasoning on, on some things here. In, back in the mid, late uh, 1600s, I wasn't there, but I've read the documents. Uh, the late 1600s, Dr. John Lightfoot, he was an English churchman. He was vice chancellor of the University of Cambridge. He was a master of St. Catherine's College in Cambridge, as well as being a rabbinical scholar. So he studied the Hebrew scriptures. He studied Judaism. He studied all of these things, again, Old Testament and new. Well, in some of his writings, He confirms the belief, and he's in agreement with a lot of other scholars about this, that this particular Pharisee, Gamaliel, is the very same one that was the teacher of the Apostle Paul that we find in Acts chapter 22. In Acts chapter 22, verse 3, Paul testifies that he himself is indeed a Jew. I was born in Tarsus of Cilicia. I, I was brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was his teacher as a young man. I was taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. So historically, Gamaliel was known among the Jews by the title of Rabban Gamaliel, the elder, president of the Sanhedrin, the master and teacher of the law. Now that's a lot to put on your business card. So primarily he just went by Gamaliel, okay? So we see here that according to tradition and multiple Jewish writings, one of the other things we see is this same Gamaliel was also the grandson of the famous Hillel, the elder. Now Hillel was one of the most important figures in Jewish rabbinical history. Uh, Rabbi Hillel was associated with the development of both the Talmud and the Mishnah, the teachings of Judaism based on the law. And he's still, even even today, he's regarded in Judaism as both a a scholar and a sage. So you see Gamaliel standing here as we're looking in chapter 5 of Acts, he's got quite this religious heritage behind him. And yet there's also one other twist. I was looking at this over the last week or so. According to Dr. Lightfoot and also according to another man, Dr. Alan Cutler, in a uh, journal article that he uh, wrote back in 1966, Cutler was the assistant professor of Judaic studies at Temple University in Philadelphia. Well, Lightfoot and Cutler, along with some other scholars, they believe that Gamaliel's father was a man called Simeon ben Hallel. Simeon ben Hallel, the just and devout. You think, so what difference does that make? Well, when we go back to Luke chapter 2, you remember when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated? There was an elderly man there by the name of Simeon, who was just and devout. As a matter of fact, Luke 2 says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Messiah to come. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And remember, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in, Simeon came in, and took up the child and blessed him, and again acknowledged that he was that one. And so he said, Lord, I can now go home in peace. Now Simeon at that point in time had to be fairly old guy at that point in time. And if Gamaliel was his son, Gamaliel was probably in the area of his 30s or 40s at this time. So to hear and to understand the testimony of his father Simeon as he comes from temple that day, I believe that would have been something within the learning or the understanding of Gamaliel. If all of this is true, and we don't have any reason to suspect otherwise, here in Acts chapter five, Gamaliel, whose grandfather being Hillel, whose father being Simeon, ben Hillel, the just and devout, Gamaliel now finds himself in a very difficult position. He has a place of honor and respect over all of his countrymen, even among his peers, the the scholars and the other chief rabbis of the time. He has this heritage of of power and an influence that's been passed down from his grandfather, Hillel. For years, he's demonstrated himself, and, and he's been recognized, Gamaliel has, he's been recognized as being a Torah scholar, an expert in the law of Israel, and there's little doubt, but that he was very possibly a part of, if not, the acting president of the Sanhedrin during the time of the arrest, trial, crucifixion, and resurrection of Christ. Now, yes, a lot of this is speculation, but when we put the times and the frames together, it makes a lot of sense. With all that he has seen, all that he's studied, all that has possibly again been, been passed down by his father Simeon, even the reality of the miracles that had been taking place over the last several days, from the healing of the lame man who had been lame for 40 years from birth there, that again, he was, he was healed completely, not only the lame man, but now the healings of the multitudes of individuals, and the deliverance from demonic spirits of multitudes of individuals there at Solomon's porch on the Temple Mount, and now to find these apostles that are miraculously released from this common prison. Folks, Gamaliel, the leader of Israel, is in a very difficult place. After seeing God's move in so many ways, he has to make a decision. His heart, could have been in a position of being actually turned to the truth of the gospel, even as Peter had already had opportunity on at least two occasions to share the truth of the gospel to the council, and Gamaliel would have been part. He would have been there with it. Or perhaps, perhaps the fear of losing his prestige, of losing his power, it'll keep him from acknowledging the facts that were so evident before him. I feel that what we see here is is a man that's torn. A man man that's torn from what his heart knows to be the right thing to do, the right direction that he knows he should take, and what his flesh desires to hold on to. But isn't that the same battle that humanity has had all through the years? Do I let go of, of, of this world and grab hold of the next? Do I reach out to the truth of the hope of the gospel and die to the things of this world? That's what Jesus says we need to do. If you're going to follow me, you need to deny self and follow me. If you're going to follow me, you need to die daily. You need to pick up your cross and follow me. And not looking back, but going on in. You see, it's the same. it's the same situation that humanity is still faced with. And even as believers, we're still faced with. Because day after day after day, moment after moment, you and I still are making those decisions. I wish it was that just man on my senior year in high school, when I prayed to receive Christ, that I didn't have to struggle with that flesh or the wooing of the world anymore. But it doesn't work that way, Amen. Some of you know that. Some of you are still done <laughs> The battle that all humanity, surrendering our lives to the hand of God, or continually holding on to the things of this world. Our heart and our spirit, we agree with this wooing work of the Holy Spirit of God and the the truth of the gospel, and yet our flesh continually drags us back into the things of this world and into our own desires. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but surrender and obedience, that's not a part of our natural human nature. Our natural human nature is, no, man, I'm going to grab for everything that I can. My natural human nature says, I'm not letting go of anything, and I'm not going to follow anybody. I'm in control of my life. My natural human nature, man, it's all about me, and that's just the way it is. It's only when we die to self that things begin to change, and even the apostle Paul He understood that, and that's why he shares with, you've got your Bible, keep your place there in Acts 5. We'll be back in a moment. But turn over to the book of Romans, chapter 7. A very familiar verse, probably with most all of you. Romans, chapter 7, verse 18. Paul writes this, For I know that in me, that that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice.
0: Open our from within by the open word. Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener.
1: Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to the open word? Pray too for our listeners your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying and thank you for being a loyal listener to the open word.